Well, welcome to Chase Oaks, and I am not part of the band. I know Ashley mentioned, hey, the band is coming up, and I wish I was. They won't let me anywhere close to that. In my head, I'd be awesome. Like, I'd be playing the bass, do the bass solo, just like DeMarcus did, but obviously I can't do that. Um, but, hey, we all do our thing, right? So I am really, really glad that you are here as we are starting a new series called The Gamble. Uh, which is not only a sermon series, but as Ashley just said, is also a small group experience. And I hope you'll dive into both. And I want to welcome everybody, but especially those who are either new to our church or who are maybe newly back to Chase Oaks. After maybe a period of kind of drifting, the new year is an opportunity to reestablish some patterns and some habits. And uh, and and so I, I commend you for if you're kind of back in routine for getting back in routine, because through the pandemic, it's been easy to drift. In fact, uh, there's a group, the Barna group that studies this kind of stuff that has uh, found that over the pandemic months that Christians and churches or just participants in churches like ours around the country, that about 33 percent, about a third of people are just kind of drifting, not connected online, not connected in person, just sort of. Drifting, And that's a very dangerous thing spiritually to drift. Uh, Just like when you're sailing or out on the water, you don't want to be adrift. You never drift anywhere good. And so this is an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional in my spiritual progress and my spiritual growth and and way to go. I mean, you're listening right now because you've made that decision. But let me also encourage all of us thinking of the all those, you know, thousands of drifters out there. To do what Ryan talked about last week, which is come alongside people to encourage people and if and just ask God to bring maybe some drifters to mind and people you think, you know, I don't know if they're connected or not. I don't know if they're just floating out there, Uh, but just reach out to people this week and say, hey, I'd love for you to join me in this new thing we're doing called the gamble to invite them to your group. Get in a group and invite them. Uh, Come each week to this series or show up and watch online or whatever you're going to do. And uh, because, again, spiritual drift is is a bad place to be and it's great uh, it's a you know way to go for being in it and make sure you invite somebody to come along so in the gamble what we're doing in this series i believe it'll be a really life-changing series because of this is we're it's called the gamble because we're uncovering some of the bad bets that we stake our lives on that then in the culture we've grown up in an american culture most of us have grown up in um we just it just sounds so true um, but in fact, we and we think it's working for us when, in fact, it's it's not true at all and it's not working for us at all. And when you get perspective, you can see it. But when you're in the middle of it, it's kind of tough. Um, it's it's kind of like when we were doing the small group taping, the small group series, we did that in Vegas. So if you get in one of the gamble small groups, um, you'll see those from Vegas. And so we were there. And and I took an afternoon, part of an afternoon, just to to get above the casino floor, just to see it, because it's not my thing. I, I'm fine if it is your thing, but it's just not my thing, you know. So I was trying to figure out what, like, why why do people want to do this? And so I I went above on the second floor and looked down at the uh, slot machine area, and just kind of saw people doing slot machines. Now, hey, if you like to do that and you can control it, and you know that you're probably going to lose, you're not going to probably win big and you get that and you just do it for entertainment. I have no problem with that. But but it's just really interesting to watch because slot machines are a really bad bet. 
And it was obvious looking up, you know, looking from that to see it. But but it just what, what happens, right, is they, they let you win just enough to think you're going to be a big winner. And so you lose, lose, lose. But occasionally you get some and you're like, ah, you know, and then there's somebody who does win. And you're like, oh, man. And it feels like you're a winner when, in fact, it's a really bad bet. It's it's one where you're pretty much guaranteed to not come out on top. And in life, I believe kind of this world, meaning this world apart from God is rigged a similar way that there's just a lot of bad bets out there that we think, oh, man, it's it's working for me. And at the end of our life, we can look back and realize, oh, man, that just led to disaster. That just led to brokenness. Uh, That didn't help at all. But it's hard in the middle of it to have that perspective. And so what we're going to do, just look from a biblical perspective at some of these bad bets that we stake our lives on. Uh, The first one is one that is so American, it just like it it almost defines our culture in a lot of ways. And it's we're today we're talking about self-determination, which is a big bet. And by self-determination, I mean this, that that truth is found within and that freedom is found in doing whatever I want to do, that whatever I want to do, doing whatever I want to do, that's what leads to freedom. Now, that's very American and it's a very big bet. The, the way a friend of mine says it, who's he's not a Jesus follower. I love and respect him a lot, but this is his kind of life motto. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to do whatever I want to do. Now, that's very American, right? To think, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you do you, I'll do me as long as we're not hurting each other, you know, then it's all good. And, um, and it, it, you know, you define your truth. You know, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And we, we all just, you know, and again, that's very American. But what we're going to see today is Jesus is going to shed some light on that to say, hey, that's actually a really bad bet. That, that makes life a lot harder than it has to be. Now, we're going to get into what Jesus says, but I'm going to get at it through get at that through a story in my own life. So this story happened in Korea and this was years ago. I was with our founding pastor, whose name is Gene Getz, and we were speaking at a church in Seoul, Korea. And when, you know, here in Dallas, we have some big churches. I guess we're one of them. But, you know, when, when we think big churches in Dallas, we think, wow, those are really big. But in Korea, it's a whole different deal. Like the church that we were pre- speaking at was Sarong uh, Presbyterian Church or Sarong Community Church. And uh, that weekend, there were 77,000 people that weekend in church, like showing up at church, 11 different services, two different platforms. So Gene was speaking in one. I was speaking in the other. And in between services, we were eating lunch in the pastor's study in the pastor's office. And the time frame was really tight to be able to eat lunch. And in fact, we were still eating while the worship music was already going. So we were just going to go out on the platform and, you know, just boom, here we are and speak. So it was just kind of a tight little time frame. So after lunch, there was just a little bit of time to use the restroom, which is something that, you know, you need to do every now and then. So speak pastors too. So there was a, a church, you know, we were in the church offices and, to, and for this story to make sense, you have to understand the bathroom. All right. So let me give the little diagram of the bathroom there in that office. So um, it, it was just a little bitty bathroom. What's key to know is in this story is the light switch was on the outside of the room, outside of the bathroom, not on the inside of the bathroom. Now, here in America, we would never do that. 
I think Koreans must be way nicer, way more trusting, because in our church offices, if we put the light switch on the outside of the bathroom, we turn it off on We turn it off on people all the time. I know I would. And uh, and so uh, we wouldn't do that. But they did. But I didn't know that. I didn't see it. So I go into the bathroom knowing that, hey, we're really tight on time. I need to go speak. The music's already you know about over. So I go into the bathroom. I can't find the light anywhere. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And uh, and so I decide, well, you know what? Um, I've done this bathroom thing before a few times. I should be an expert and, and I could do this in virtual darkness. There was a little bitty window that let a little bit of light in. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. So I closed the door. Unfortunately, the commode was in this recess. So it was in the darkest spot of the room, but still I thought, okay, I, I can do that. Like I've done this a few times. I, I feel like I can do this. So I was kind of feeling my way around to make sure I was where I needed to be. I did my thing. And then it was time to flush the commode and I can't see it. So I'm feeling for something, you know, for the flusher, for the lever. And I find this the little lever and I pull it down. And instead of flushing, water starts coming at me from I don't know where. It's just like the exorcist toilet water. It's just not overflowing. Water's like shooting right here, like massive amount of water is hitting me right here. And I'm in shock. I mean, I'm like, I stand there for like two seconds, like why water's hitting me like What's happening? What is it? You know, and so and then I I jumped to the side and w- there's a stream of water hitting the wall behind me and running down the thing. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? And so it but now I'm on the wrong side of the water flow. Right. So I have to go back across the water flow. I'm trying to feel I finally feel that lever. I pull it. The water stops. The water goes away. And uh, I, I, you know, get dressed a little bit. I go, uh, I go, I open the door so I can put some light on the situation to think what in the heck is going on. And when I do, I saw that the light indeed was outside. And so I turn on the light. And when I turned on the light, I saw what I had done. And some of you are guessing what I'd done. But that little lever was a bidet attachment. It wasn't the flusher. And, uh, and so I flush the toilet. I wash my hands. I go back out. The team of people is there to take me to you know, where I'm going to speak. And I'm wet from my knees to my chest, just totally wet. And, uh, and they're like, what happened to you? And I'm like, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I, and, uh, and so they're like, well, we don't have time to worry about it. You just gotta, you know, we gotta go. So Gene went his direction that my translator and I are going to my auditorium on the way. I tell him the story, which I'm kind of laughing about it, thinking, oh man, everybody's going to get a kick out of this. And he's like, oh no. No, no. In our culture, if you share this story, nobody will listen to you. Like, you can't do it. You can't share the story. Like, really? Yeah, you just have to act like it didn't happen. So I go out and speak, and I'm literally, I mean, I'm just obviously wet from here all the way up to here, and I just had to act like, that's just the way I roll. Like, I just, I'm, I just stay wet, you know, or whatever. That's, that's what we do in America. We, we do this. You know, I, I just had to act like it was no, nothing. And, and, and do my thing. But here's the point of the story. And some of you are wondering, yeah, is there a point to this story? Is, you know, bouncing around in the dark, struggling in the dark, just led to trouble. And it would have been a lot better if I just figured out how to put light on. Um, all that wouldn't have happened. And, and what we're talking about today and what Jesus is going to say to us is, hey, look, you can stumble around in the dark. And try to discover truth on your own. And that's one way to do it. And maybe you'll find some truth that way. 
Maybe you'll find a way that makes life work a little bit that way, but it's actually a really bad bet. It actually makes life really hard because one of the reasons Jesus came is to be the light of the world. He came to bring light in our dark world. He's the creator of everything. He knows how it works to say, hey, let me just tell you the way to God. I mean, you can try to bounce around and search for God in the dark, but why don't I just like show you the way to God? Uh, Why don't I just show you truth rather than you trying to just figure it out on your own? Now, he said that a lot of different ways when he came, but one of them is this passage. And it's a very bold statement. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, to God, except through me. Now, that's a bold statement. And in the original language of the New Testament, which is Koine Greek, it's even way bolder. Because in the original language of the New Testament, the word the, the definite article the, in front of way, truth, and life, you don't even have to put it in, in the original Greek. You don't have to put in the word the, it's assumed. If it's not there, it's assumed it is supposed to be there. But if you wanted to make a point, like a big point about putting a the there, you would put it in. He not only does that, but... In a, in a string of words like way, truth, life, typically, if you wanted to make an emphasis of the the, you would put it just in front of the three things. So it'd be the way, truth, life. But he goes beyond that. He puts the definite article in before each one of them. And so 2,000 years ago, if you were hearing him, it would have been really emphatic. He'd say, he was basically saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then adds, No one comes to God. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. I mean, that's that's an exclusive truth claim. He didn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. I am one of many ways to God. I'm just going to give you another one. Because if Jesus said that, you'd be like, oh, Jesus, he's so nice. But he's he didn't say that. I mean, it's like fighting words in our culture, like like I'm from Alabama if you don't know, and I'm an Alabama fan, by the way, Monday night, really big game. I hope you're praying about it. You know, the, the last time Alabama was in the national championship, they lost. And look what's happened in the world since then. I mean, really, you know, so is it not obvious we need things to be the right way again? And Alabama needs to be the national champion. So, man, if we want 2021 to be better, I'm just saying it's probably a good idea to pray for, you know, Alabama against Ohio State and the forces of the enemy and all that. But anyway, um, hey, hopefully it'll be a good game. I think I think it will be. But if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to pick a fight in Alabama, it'd be really easy. Just go almost anywhere and say out loud at a restaurant or something at a bar. Or just say, you know what? SEC football, so overrated. That would be a good way to pick a fight. Say something bad about Auburn. I'm just going to move on and say something bad about Alabama and say something bad about Bear Bryant. Easy to pick a fight. But in our American culture, just by making an exclusive truth claim, saying not just, you know, I am a way, Jesus saying that Jesus is the way to God or a way to God, one of many, but the way. That's like fighting words. Because we believe truth is within, right? We all determine truth. And for somebody to make an exclusive truth claim outside, it's like arrogant. How could Jesus say that? I thought he was a good guy. How could he do that? But think about it. If it's true, it's not arrogant. It's compassionate. Because essentially what he's doing is he's saying, hey, I've come as God into this dark world. 
to give you the truth. I made the world. I know how it works to, to make the, a way to God. And yet you can bounce around in the dark if you want to. But why don't you let me just turn on the light? When he says, I am the way, the way to what? The way to God, the way to meaning, the way to peace, the way to joy, the way to love. When he says, I'm the truth. I mean, God made the world. He knows how it works. And he just says, I am the truth. I will lead you to truth. And therefore, you can bounce around, try to figure out on your own, or you can just submit to it. You can just listen to it, obey it. And, you know, it just makes sense if we really think about it. You know, in our in our culture, you know, we view truth as relative, not as absolute. Um, and and so somebody say, you know, there is truth out there. Um, if you really think about it, the idea that we all make up our own truth and we're all right, even if we disagree, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That there is truth outside of ourselves. Just like me sitting on this chair. I mean, it doesn't matter if I believe that the chair can hold me up or not. It's either going to hold me up or not. There's truth outside myself. And Jesus is just saying, I just want to give you the truth. Take it or leave it. But I want to be loving enough to give you the truth. When he says the life... Jesus often talked about this. He said he didn't come to make our life worse. He didn't get some. He didn't come here to get something from us. He came to give something to us. And what he said, the way he said another place is life that is really life. He came to bring us joy and joy to the full fullness of life. He came to bring in the Sermon on the Mount. His longest sermon, he says, blessed. He came to bring us a blessed life. The Greek word makarios, which means full and joyful and uh, significant and impactful and all the things that we want that we were created to experience. He came to bring us the way, the truth and the life. And we can recoil at that to say, no, I, I want my own truth. or what. But does that really make sense? Um, you know, in when he when Jesus you know, is, is talking about what, what it means to follow him and follow the way. His basic invitation, because he came to bring us the way, the truth, and the life, is not just believe in me, but follow me. Belief is part of the deal, to believe that he's God who came here to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God, our sins forgiven, and life forever with him. That's true, and that belief is important. Part, But it's not just believing a few things. It's, it, it's to, to, what Jesus' invitation is, not just believe in me, but follow me, meaning submit Instead of just doing what you want to do, submit to my better way to live in fullness of life. One of the times Jesus talked about that is Matthew 16. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, that is not very American. For one, he says, deny yourself. Because in our culture, we put self at the center Right. And what Jesus is saying is that's a bad bet. That's a small life. Instead, deny yourself, meaning take self out of the driver's seat. Deny yourself. Don't trust yourself. In fact, take up your cross, which means die to yourself. And follow me. Submit. That freedom, the bad bet is freedom is found in doing what I want to do. What Jesus would say is, that's a really bad bet because actually 
Doing whatever you want to do leads to bondage, leads to regret, leads to brokenness. Instead, he's saying, submit to my better way. Now, as Americans, we don't like to submit. We don't like, it's like, you try and tell me what to do. I can do what I want to do. You do, you know, like, that's just the way, the truth, the way we view truth is that truth is relative. We each define our own truth. There's not truth outside somewhere. And when I talk about truth, I'm talking about capital T truth. And so the idea is, hey, you have your truth and I have my truth and and I'm not going to judge you and you don't judge me. And as long as we don't kill each other, then we're all good. Right. And you do you and I do me. And that's just so like that just sounds like well, who, who would disagree with that? Like any thinking person, right, would, would be like, yeah, that's right. That's the way it is. You know, you do you. I do me. We all have our own truth and and that kind of thing. And every throughout and the way we think about it, I think, is that every culture throughout history that's been a thinking culture has believed that. It's actually not true at all. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a very strange worldview. It's a very new worldview, relative truth. Because throughout history, uh, this is the first generation that is a relative truth generation in the West. Eastern cultures, there's truth outside of myself to find and to build my life around. But in the West, in our current culture, it's no, there's no outside truth. Truth is within and I define truth. And, and, and I do, you know, I do me and, and you do you and all that in that there is no capital T truth. But we're like the first generation in the West to actually believe that. Now, again, you can say, well, either that's right or wrong, but it's just very strange. It's very weird. Other cultures around the world, even new cultures that people find out in jungles and this kind of thing, all have this idea that truth, there's truth outside of myself and my job as a human being is to find that truth, is to discover that truth, is to search for that bigger truth, that bigger reality. And that virtue isn't looking within, but looking without. Virtue is searching for truth or searching for God or searching for the higher purpose, searching for higher meaning, and then submitting to that and, and giving my life to that bigger thing. Not putting self at the center, but something bigger than myself at the center. We're the first culture in the West, our generation, that has, you know, has done the other thing. And Jesus is just saying, look, you can do that if you want to. But that's going to make life really hard. Because when you just do what you want to do, what you're going to find is you're just bouncing around in the dark, hoping to find some truth. And you may stumble on some. But in the, in the meantime, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, the song that we sang earlier, we're all just broken people and we don't know why. Um, we're just keeping it together because we've got to try. That's, that's a very self-aware song. And what Jesus is doing when he came is he's saying, hey, let me tell you, you're right. This is a broken world, but let me tell you why. It's broken because of sin. It's broken because of of all the darkness and hate and all that 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 came when mankind rebelled against God and chose sin. And and yeah, this is a broken, messed up world. And we're feeling that right now. Um, And you can keep it together as much as you can because you got to try. Or Jesus is gracious enough to say, let me turn on the light. Let me 
let me give you the way to God, the way to hope, the way to love, the way to meaning, the way to everything that you've created for. Let me give you the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore, the trick is to follow, is to submit. That the freedom is not found in doing whatever I want to do. And I think a number of us have lived long enough. If you've lived by that rule long enough, you're like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't lead to freedom. It leads to regret. It leads to shallowness. It leads to being pretty messed up. And so really today is the opportunity to consider Jesus' invitation to follow. Uh, we talk at Chase Oaks, you know, when we talk about those of us who are kind of in the faith, we don't just say believer typically. I mean, belief is a big part of it. But we say Jesus follower for a reason because his invitation is to not just say, yes, I believe in a few things, but to say, yeah, I do believe a few things, which then opens me up. It, it gives it to then begin to follow Jesus. And so for some of you, this might be the, the first time to really consider that invitation to follow those original disciples, the 12 disciples, you know, they they were given that invitation and it says they left everything and they followed him. They had no idea when they said yes to following him, what that would mean for them, what that would open up to them. It wasn't an easy life, but it was a very full one and a very cool one and way more transformation and meaning and hope than they could have ever imagined. And that's what God wants for you. And so in a little bit, we're going to pray. And if you're up for it, I'm going to encourage you to say, maybe for the first time, Jesus, I, I want to know you and I want to follow you. I'm going to, I want to submit to your better way. I, I want you to move me from brokenness to healing over time in my relationships and in every part of my life. And for those of us who've already made that step at some point and maybe said, yes, I want to follow you. Today's really an opportunity to consider that invitation and say, are there areas of my life where I'm really not following very well? Because to follow is to surrender your relationships, your finances, your sexuality, your career, your family, your habits, your hobbies, your consumption of substances, news and entertainment, your future dreams, your ties to the past, all of life to him. And what all of us who claim to be Jesus followers and are Jesus followers, 100% of us who are Jesus followers do so incompletely. And I would say even selectively, meaning there are areas of life that we surrender to God and they were following pretty well, maybe in areas of life where we're just not. We're just doing our own thing. Like maybe it's our sexuality. We know that what God says about sex and it's designed, you know, to be in marriage with man and woman and this committed relationship. But we're like, you know what? That's, I know that's probably better, but I'm just going to kind of. Do what I want to do. And, and for a while you feel like you're getting away with it, but it just, it doesn't lead to something better. Or maybe it's finances. I mean, I, I think that's one that, that for most people who claim to be Jesus followers kind of do their own thing. Because what Jesus says on the front end, is, what the Bible says is, is kind of hard. And that is not to build our budget around and our finances around us and around consumption, but to build it around generosity. And, and to say, I'm going to take the first part of my budget, it's called a tithe but in the Bible, but take the first part of my budget and give it to what God's doing in the world through the church and to lift up the poor. And, and I'm going to build my financial life around generosity, not around consumption. And it just, 
That's, that's hard on the front end to do. Once people do that, you realize, wow, there's blessing here. There's meaning here. And God's empowerment comes when I begin to do that. But it's hard to take that first step, right? And so most people just sort of blow off that part of it. Or maybe it's your relationships, the way you do marriage. And, or, the, I, I, or maybe you need to forgive somebody and you just, you're just not going to. Whatever it is that we're, that where we're just not submitting or not following, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. It's not really going to affect Jesus. It's it it impacts us. He grieves for us, but it's us that we're hurting in any area of life where we're not following fully. And so as we pray, let me encourage you just to ask God a dangerous question here in a minute and, and just say, God, is there an area of my life that I am not following very well and where I'm just doing my own thing? And would you help me be bold enough to say, I, I submit it to you and I'm going to go your way. Because that's where blessing is and that's where joy is. The idea that doing what I do, that's a, it leads to freedom is a really bad bet. And some of you, like I said, have lived long enough to be like, yeah, yeah, I see that. In fact, we, we saw that. I think that's what we saw this week in our culture. People who, I, I, you know, there's all kinds of theories and ideas about exactly what happened. I'm not going to get into all that. But. What I do know is that for people to have Jesus banners and whoever was responsible for doing what they did and storming the Capitol, all that kind of stuff, that's not the way of Jesus. And if some of you I know are confused, if you're not Jesus followers, if you're not a, a Christian, you're like, wow, is that what Christianity is? It's not. That's not the way of Jesus. But that's people who in fear and anger do what feels right, even though it's not submitted, even though it's not right. But we all do that. I mean, we can't just get mad at them because we all do that all the time. And so it's really our opportunity to say, hey, God, I I don't want to just do what I feel like doing anymore. I want to submit my life to you. And that leads to blessing. And that leads to life and away from regret and death. And so wherever we're at with God, I want us to bow our heads together in prayer and submit to his better way, because freedom is found in submission, not in doing what we want to do. Let's pray. Um, Father, I do pray for us uh, in our brokenness. And Father, I pray that you would release us from the trap of trusting ourselves and going our own way, thinking we're winning. God, instead, give us the the wisdom. Just pull us toward yourself to say, no, God, I want to submit everything in my life to you. And for some people, this may be the first time they consider your invitation. If anybody wants to be my disciple, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. To your better way. And so, Father, would you just help them right now, just in their heart, say, yes, Lord, that's, I want to do that. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. And I want you to change me and transform me and help me live the life of impact and blessing and meaning and transformation and significance that you want for me. And, and for those of us who've maybe taken that step of choosing to be a Jesus follower, God, right now, would you speak to us in our hearts? And if there are areas of our life where we're just not submitting very well, where we're holding on, we're staying in the driver's seat, whether it's our 
career, our relationships, our marriage, our dating life, our financial life, whatever it is, God, would you just speak into our hearts and rescue us from ourselves and give us the courage to just submit and say, God, I I don't want to live in disobedience anymore. I want to find the blessing that comes from obedience. And even if I don't understand it, I just, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go your way. Father, thank you that you want what's best for us. And you came to turn the lights on so we don't have to stumble around the dark. You sent Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life to make it possible for us to come to you and to live the life that you created us to live. And we thank you for your grace and your love to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.